This is episode 263 of the Beyond the Food Show. And today we're going to walk you through how to heal your relationship to exercise with a non-diet fitness expert, Kim Hagel. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dodier, clinical nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor, creator of the Going Beyond the Food Method. And after a 25-year dieting career that started at the age of 12, I decided to say hell no to diet culture and hell yes to living my life to the fullest in my now body. And I made it my mission to help smart, successful women like you live confidently, unconditionally, right now. Ready, sister? Let's do this. Hey, if you're new to the Going Beyond the Food Show, our podcast roadmap has been designed with you in mind. With over 250 episodes available to listen, it can feel overwhelming to know which episode to prioritize for you. The podcast guide answers the top five questions women have when they enter our world of going beyond the food to unlearn diet culture. To get your free copy of our podcast roadmap guide, head over to stephaniedozier.com forward slash roadmap or use the hyperlink in the show notes. I'll see you on the other side. Hello, sisters. I'm so excited about this episode for two things. Number one, I'm going to introduce you to one of my professional students, Kim Hagel. She's a graduate of our non-diet mentorship program, and I'm so proud of the work she's putting into the world. She's going to be a game changer for many of you because she helps women change their relationship to exercise. I know, right? Do we not all need her in our life? (laughs) My own relationship to exercise is still a work in progress for me. It's been a couple, well, almost a year since I've talked about this on the podcast. I put out uh, a podcast about a year ago about it, and I'm still working through it. I know that this is the challenge, not the challenge, I don't like this word. It's the space into which I'm growing myself, right? And I'm being very intentional about it. And that's, I think if I can give you all one tip is that I I was writing that to our email uh, community, like people in our community to which have given us their email. And I send an email once a week, at least to them. And I was writing to them that we have to be intentional, about healing our relationship to food. We have to stop waiting for Prince Charming to get off his white horse and come to like with his magic wand and then poof, one day our relationship to exercise will be normal. No, like diet culture screwed it up. By the way, in my email, I use the F word, but diet culture screwed up our relationship to exercise in the exact same way it screwed up our relationship to food. If we're not intentional about taking step forward to change the way we engage with exercise, it's not going to change. We're going to stay stuck in the pattern because our brain is going to want us to stay in the pattern we've been on for most of us decades, right? The the mindset with relationship to exercise, the way we think about it will stay stuck in that. We have to be intentional. We have to decide this is something I'm going to work on and here's what I'm going to do. And the problem comes there. We think that how we're going to change our relationship to exercise is the way we 
screwed it up. I was going to use the F word, but the way we screwed it up in the first place, right? With being dogmatic, with having, I have to exercise three times a week and I have to do this and I have to do this. And we resort back to the only thing we know, which is willpower. That's what Kim is going to talk to us about today on this podcast. And I'm going to share my own journey, well, what I'm doing, what I've done to change my own relationship to food. But the cool thing about Kim is that she came up with the 10 principle of joyful movement. So for those of you that are familiar with intuitive eating, it's a spin on the intuitive eating principle to heal our relationship to food. Well, the same thing goes with exercise. That's why I think Kim is so brilliant in her work is that she is really focused on that piece because that's her zone of genius. So before we move on to Kim's interview, I just wanted to give you a few updates on where I am in my own relationship to exercise. And I want to share things that I've done years ago that I've paid off big time. Number one, I stopped calling exercise exercise. I'm now referring to exercise as movement. And I'm going to talk about this on the podcast with Kim, but that was a game changer for me because the word exercise really literally awakened my nervous system as if any other trauma would. So changing the name of it was a game changer stopping going to any form of classes that I used to go before, like I used to do a lot of spin. I stopped going that. I completely changed the type of movement that I did. And then the third piece, which I think is what's missing to at least the women that work with me, which I guarantee you as many of you, is the mindset piece. Like we have been programmed from a very young age that exercise, because you're in a large body, is a source of punishment. You're being bad with food. You have to engage with exercise in a way to offset how bad you were with food. And literally all these thoughts are weaved into the depth of our brain. We literally need to extract them out and trade them for new thoughts, new ways of thinking about exercise. That's the power of self-coaching. So if you're new here, self-coaching is the structure, it's the framework where we can change our belief system, all these thoughts we have about exercise, and then we can create new one. We operate most of our lives from unconscious beliefs, unconscious thoughts about the things we struggle with, including exercise. For me, I had to rebuild my entire belief system about exercise, why we exercise, how we exercise, how we measure, quote, success with exercise. Like, I had to stop wearing the pedometers and the eye watch and all of that because movement for me and exercise for me was a a number game. Like, that was part of the problem. I had to stop doing that. Here's another thing that I did that I think all of you should do is minimum baseline. Minimum baseline is a concept that we teach our students in Conquer and Tribe, but basically it goes like this. It's about setting the minimum amount of movement. For an example, you have to do in a week, like bare minimum, once a week going for a 15-minute walk. 
but doing it, not because you have to, but because you want to, and you're using that as a way of building a relationship of trust and respect with yourself, which for most of us, chronic dieters, we've lost. We don't trust ourselves. We don't respect ourselves. Minimum baseline is a concept that you apply in the case of movement, and that helps you build back that trust and respect for yourself. So these are just three things that have been present in my life over the last number of years that have been game changer. We'll talk about it more with Kim. Um, And if you're part of our community, you've received the email from me. So ready to do this. Kim Agle is our guest today. She is a joyful movement expert. And she has a podcast, by the way, the Joyful Movement Podcast. And her program is called The Right Body for Me. And she will help you change your relationship to exercise. So ready to do this? Let's listen up to our interview. Hello, Kim. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. It's an honor to be your first. It is my first. I know. That's why it's so exciting. So let's share you with the people listening. I think you have a very interesting teaching that we're going to get on. But first, I want to start with the story about you where as a child, you were the kid that was always picked on. Mm hmm. When it came to sports and team, you know, like the whole, like we're, we're in a lineup. I remember those moments, right? We were in a lineup and we we're getting picked to go on the sports team. You're always the last one to be picked. Every single time. And today you're a health prof- a fitness professional, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Personal trainer. How'd that happen? <laughs> yeah. Really a crazy story. Uh, like I always kind of joke that I went to a very small school growing up. We had eight girls in the class and I still got cut from every team. Like I'm not, I'm not kidding. It, it's true. It happened. So, you know, when we think about how we're going to end up in life, um, did I ever see myself in this role? Never, never. So yeah, I had this really kind of traumatic um, history with exercise and fitness, but um, somewhere along the way, like I, so I have four kids and after I had the third one, I remember thinking like, I really want to get in shape. Like I've always struggled with body image. I remember starting to restrict food and trying to lose weight from about the age 12 and all the way on. And I never, ever was really able to sustain that. As you know, it doesn't work. So when I had my third child, I was like, well, maybe it's fitness. Maybe that's the missing piece. Maybe I need to learn how to exercise. So I hired a personal trainer. And for the first time in my life, I felt strong and accomplished and capable and successful. And like, I could do this. Like there was actually possibility for me, um, which was really empowering, but it very quickly turned into me having something to prove. And then it became an obsession quite the other way. But um, yeah, through that, I ended up getting my personal training certificate and um, became a registered holistic nutritionist. Fitness became my life, but before too long, it totally took over my life. It's so true. And we say that how we relate to food is how we relate to life. So when we have an obsession with food, we obsess with everything else in our life as well. Mm-hmm. So today you are a fitness professional who helps women change the way they engage with fitness. Is that a right descriptor? Yeah. 
Yeah. So kind of eventually this whole obsession that I had with exercise had to change, yeah. right? It was it wasn't sustainable. And circumstances happened in my life that forced me to have to change. Um, so my fourth child was born with special needs. And very quickly, I realized I had way bigger fish to fry than trying to maintain a thin body, right? I just couldn't keep up that level of obsession anymore. And I also hurt my back after he was born. So that kind of grounded me from a lot of the exercise that I wanted to do. And through that, I sort of fell into intuitive eating and joyful movement. Um, I began to just exercise as a way to care for my body and help clear my mind. And I sort of realized that when I ate reasonably well, most of the time I had the energy I needed to care for my kids. So it sort of just became a natural thing. But I'm not going to lie, for quite a while, I felt like a fraud in my industry. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty counter to what's taught in the fitness industry. So I really, I actually ended up leaving fitness for a couple of years and sought employment elsewhere because I didn't think that I fit in. And uh, I was still kind of wrestling with some of those feelings when I joined your mentorship. Um, I really thought like you were encouraging me to to do this kind of work. And I was like, but like, I'm not, I can't be a fitness professional. I'm not perfect. right? But then it's in realizing that that's, there's so many women who feel the same way. We're all struggling with feeling like we're not good enough. And that exercise has to look a certain way to be right. Um, there's definitely a need for someone like me to help people heal their relationship with movement. And so let, let's get into that because that's like when I survey my community, whatever way I, I ask them, like vast majority of the women who've had a history of restricting food or dieting or weight loss all now struggle with moving their body, with exercising, with thinking about it. Why do you think that is that women are stuck into pattern of not being motivated to move their body. Yeah, well, I think it all comes down to the reasons why they think they should be exercising. We've been taught for a really long time that the goal of exercise is to control or shrink the size of our body, right? So it, there's a lot of negative thoughts and beliefs and feelings around exercise and the whole purpose behind it. Um, I actually created a, a free guide all about motivation and what really works to motivate people because you can't expect to feel motivated from a place of negativity, right? It's kind of like trying to yell at your kids and expect them to feel motivated to do what you're asking them to do, right? Negative feelings, negative thoughts, they don't work to create a positive result. But I, I do believe that's why the women are struggling because we really have these beliefs that exercise is supposed to be torturous. I think you're, you're right on because it's the same thing with food, right? We, because of diet culture and dieting, we've came to go to food or use food for the wrong reason, mm -hmm. right? As a tool to manipulate our body. Yeah instead of what it's meant for, which is nourishment and nutrition and molecules of food to come and do chemicals reaction in your body. That's what food was meant for. Yeah. And movement's no different, right? Movement is meant to nourish us too, and to care for all those different parts of our body, right? You talk about the mental body, the emotional body and the spiritual body and movement is no different. It's meant to help us care for all of those parts of us, not just to shrink our physical body. 
we really screwed up our relationship to both. Yeah. And it's a kind of a recovery path that we need to get on. You mentioned, sorry, you mentioned a, a guide there. Talk to us a little bit more about that. What is it and, and how is it going to help us? Uh-huh. So I created a free guide called The Motivation Secret. And it's you can find it on my website in lots of different places. And it really just addresses what actually works to motivate people. So I really dug into the behavioral science of how motivation when it comes to fitness really works. It's been very extensively studied. And the funny thing is that um, there's all this research about motivation and fitness, but it's not being applied by most gyms and personal trainers, but I kind of exposed that in there as well. A little political. Um, but yes, I encourage you to have a look through because I explained all the different things that actually do work to get you motivated and help you cultivate that desire within to get up and move as an act of self-care. That's awesome. So just for everybody listening in your podcast app, you'll be able to go to the show notes and I'll link to it there. Okay. So we've been like back and forth on using two different words. Yeah. Exercise and movement and um, like we use them. I know on this podcast, we I use mostly movement and I have my personal reason why I do that. But I would love to hear you talk about the difference between exercise and movement, if they're the same thing or if they're not, why? Yeah, I don't think they're the same thing. I, I do tend to use both words, but I tend to prefer the word movement as well. Um, it's funny, I was just talking to one of my coaching clients today and she said, you know, I really like that you use the word movement and not exercise. And I said, yeah, I do that on purpose because exercise, well, it has that tone, right? That it's a routine. It's a set of rules about what you're supposed to do, like sets and reps and cardio and weights. And not that there's anything wrong with moving that way. Like I quite like running and lifting weights myself, but when we kind of pigeonhole into like, that's the only way to move and you got to do it this way for this long to be effective, then it kind of messes with our enjoyment of the whole thing. Um, I just feel like movement is a much more empowering term. We all need movement. It's a biological need and it doesn't have to look any certain way to be right. So just seeing it as something that you can do and a way to care for your body opens up options and choice and self-care. Yeah, because you referred earlier also to the term joyful movement, mm -hmm. right? And, and can you talk to us about that relationship of the term joyful and movement? Like, because to most women, <laughs> exercise is like no pain, no gain, Yeah. right? Like if you're not going to sweat bucket, if you're not going to be in pain the next day, what's the point? Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, no pain, no gain. I think it's probably the most overused fitness motivation saying out there, but it's anything but motivating. I have a, a client also that's in my coaching program, Stacy, and she bought this one for a really long time. And she struggles with a lot of injuries. She's got back problems, knee problems, lots of different things. And anytime that she would try to engage in an exercise program, she'd get hurt, right? But she would keep doing it because she thought that that was what you had to do. No pain, no gain. And all she gained is a bunch of injuries. And I'm like, what are you actually trying to gain here? <laughs> right? Like, That's a good one. All you gain is injury. It's true. Yeah, right. So 
I don't know. We say no pain, no gain a lot. And I, I, I honestly think that when people say that, when trainers say it, they say it with the best of intentions. None of us are trying to be mean. I think we're trying to inspire people to maybe work a little harder or push themselves, but there's a really fine line between pushing and, and pain. And I think that the use of that phrase has created this widespread belief that exercise has to be brutal and hard. And, and that if it does hurt, that's okay. Cause you're going for a goal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it ends up having a really damaging effect on people. Like, first of all, it's not motivating. I, I think maybe in the moment it can be right. Like hearing no pain, no gain when you're in the middle of a workout might inspire you to push a little harder in the moment. But if you keep going that way, it just builds all that negative feelings like this sucks. This is hard. And it doesn't make you want to get up and get out the door and do the thing. And secondly, like it's not necessary. There's like zero evidence that pushing yourself to the point of pain actually has any benefit um, unless you're a professional athlete and even they have, they balance their hard work and their recovery workouts. So, you know, working to the point of pain really only leads to burnout or injury and neither of those lead to consistency, right? They both end up in inactivity. So that just doesn't get you anywhere buying into that mentality. And I think that's where the the opposite word antonym could also be joyful movement, right? Because Mm -hmm. joyful movement is, and and you'll give us your take, but to me, joyful movement is about, it's the almost the opposite of no pain, no gain, where you actually have fun. Yeah. It's almost a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. So this lady I was telling you about just a few seconds ago, Stacy, who was always getting injured when I first introduced her to this concept of joyful movement. She's like, it was like, just went right over her head. She's like, you're crazy. Like, I think she actually swore, (laughs) but you know, now that we've been working together for quite a while and we're just experimenting with different things that feel good and trying things out and, you know, let's do this or let's try this piece of equipment. And now she's got this daily movement practice. Like she doesn't need me every day telling her what to do. Um, She's got some bands at home and she just does it because she likes it. She's found the joy in movement. It feels good, right? Yeah. I had a client yesterday who said that she found this uh, hip hop class and she fell in love because the joy of Zoom, like we're in a pandemic right now, right? So everything's on Zoom. So she found this $5 class shot that she could go in. It's all the 90s hip hop music from when she was growing up. Yeah. She has a blast. And first thing she realized, it's like it's been 50 minutes. Yeah. That's joyful movement where you find pleasure into your movement. Yeah. And I mean, someone will tell you, well, you're not lifting weights and blah, blah, blah. There's all this. But, you know, if you believe that stuff, you never get off your butt. So doing something, anything that you enjoy is just way better, so much better than believing all those shoulds. And you'll likely, and you tell me if that's what you see, you'll likely move more, Mm -hmm. perhaps less intensely. Mm -hmm. But on the long run, you'll you'll move more your body than doing it for three weeks, no pain, no gain way versus going for a walk for years. Every day for your life. Yeah. Yeah. I really believe that, that the consistency of doing something every day, doesn't matter what it is, gets you much farther ahead in the long term than these little bursts that we stop and start all the time. I used to work at a YMCA here locally and it, 
we have a, quite an older population that would come in there. And that's the first time my eyes were open to that whole idea of doing something every day. Like you could just see the difference between the seniors who had always just consistently moved their body and the ones who now we're starting at the age of 70 after going to the doctor with some health scare. Right. And never have like, have always had this relationship with exercise that, you know, it wasn't fun or didn't feel good or whatever. And now they have to start at the age of 70. The ones who consistently moved every day way further ahead in the long term. So do you consider walking movement? Absolutely. Yeah. Stretching is movement. Like yoga, any, like anything is movement. Your body just needs to move. So it doesn't matter what you do. You just have to find what lights you up and gets you out the door. I think for everyone listening to this here and, and many people first come to the world of dismantling diet culture through the gateway of food, but we have to see as we're talking the two of us here, the same work we've done with food needs to be done with exercise or movement or fitness. We need to dismantle all these preconceptual ideas we have in our head and, and concepts like walking. Like every time a client will ask me, what should I do for movement? I'm like, go for a walk. Well, that's not an exercise. Yes, it is. Yeah. Because we walk around with all those beliefs that are crazy. Yeah. So let's get into more detail before we run out of time. But I want to hear you talk about how you work with people to help them change their mindset. And you got something really interesting called the 10 principle of joyful movement. Mm -hmm. I call it my joyful movement manifesto. Yeah, let's go for it. Share with us what it is, if you don't mind, if you're okay with sharing that publicly. Sure. Yeah. So when we started studying intuitive eating in the mentorship, I love that, of course, the 10 principles of intuitive eating. And I thought we really need something like this for movement, right? So that we can start to challenge the thoughts in our brain. So I sort of adapted the intuitive eating principles to make my own joyful movement principles. Do you want me to go through all 10 or? Yeah, absolutely. Please, 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 please. So the first one is the same as in the intuitive eating, reject the diet mentality. So we want to disconnect our exercise from weight loss and exercise just to feel good, not to burn calories or earn food. And then the second principle is embrace embodiment. So acknowledge that we're more than just a physical body and we want to honor our spiritual, emotional, and mental body's needs too when choosing exercise. Number three is say no to punishment. So forget all that no pain, no gain. Exercise should never hurt. Say no to punitive, torturous exercise programs. Number four is to challenge the gym police. I love this one. Go for it. (laughs) Yeah, we call it the food police and intuitive eating. So I was like, well, there's gym police too. And these are the thoughts in our head that reinforce all the rules diet culture has created about how to exercise. So just scream a loud no to all the thoughts that you're not doing it right if you don't work out for a full hour with heavy weights, cardio hit, training, all of the nonsense. Number five is to respect your limitations. So we want to tune into our own body's signals, our pain, our energy level, our mood, and for women, our menstrual cycle, and respect our body's cues by modifying as needed each day. Um, Attunement is the process of doing what moves you and stop relying on external validation like trackers, apps, and scales to tell you that you got it right. Amen. Right? Um, pedometers come in here, right? There's somewhere along the line, we decided that 10,000 steps a day is what is needed. 
It's completely arbitrary. The first person who invented a pedometer just put that in as the number and we adopted it as truth. It's not. So forget that. I forget what number I'm on here now, but honor your need for rest. So it's part of the program and you don't have to wait for injury or burnout to justify a rest day. This is a really important one. Number eight, find your people. So it's so important to have a community of people that supports you, um, gets behind your goals and builds you up, right? So a little bit of healthy competition is fine, but it shouldn't make you feel unworthy or you're like, you're not good enough when you're in that environment. It should be friendly. Number nine is to discover the joy in movement. So we all know about the runner's high, but it's not just for runners. Um, you want to engage in activities that light you up and make you feel alive and strong and successful. And then the 10th one is to challenge yourself on your own terms. So it's okay to work hard and push yourself if you're having fun and your body's ready for it. You can definitely try new things and round out your fitness repertoire with a variety of activities, but do it because it's fun and not because you think you should. That's like this, all of this, it's all brilliant. I think that's exactly what we need as industry to help with the next step of dismantling diet culture, which is a way of changing our relationship to movement. Mm -hmm. Though some of the work may be done during intuitive eating, I don't think it's like until we specifically focus on repairing the damage that diet culture did to our relationship to exercise, we need to intentionally move into that. Absolutely. It's just a whole another layer to the work. So how do you help women through that process? Mm -hmm. So I have a 16 week coaching program. It's called right body for me. And through that, we really start with our mindset. We really unpack all of those old thoughts and beliefs about exercise and about ourself, because like we just talked about today, it's not the exercise itself that's the problem. It's not your body that's the problem. It's all of the thoughts and beliefs that you're holding that are contributing to the results that you're getting. Um, so I teach self-coaching, just as you do, um, that mm -hmm. our thoughts contribute to our feelings, contribute to our actions, and contribute to our, our results. Um, and I really think that's the missing step in a lot of fitness programming, right? Like we tell everybody what to do. And sometimes we even tell them why, like if you lift weights and do it this way, this is what it does in your body. And like, we try to explain it all, but you don't gain the benefits for it. And you don't feel that internal motivation to do it. If you don't address what's going on in your mind first, right? So until you know why you have the trouble with exercise that you do, or why you um, keep staying stuck or keep repeating the same problems, you'll never get off that cycle. So mindsets, all of it. Awesome. So we, we you go through a program of 16 weeks and different steps to help people change their mindset, find a joyful movement and get back into natural motivation, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. And we learn to, yeah, we've, we've, identify what motivates each person themselves. Cause what motivates you is totally different than what motivates me. Yes. And then we learn to set goals in a totally different way. We forget all about the smart goals. And instead of chasing some outcome, we want, we think about what we want to feel when we move. And the cool thing about chasing a feeling is that it's not a long-term goal. Like you don't have to wait six months to get that desired feeling. Every single time you move your body, you can assess, did I feel that way? 
And then you know you're on the right track. And the more that you feel those positive feelings, the more likely you are to keep going. Um, and it's amazing. Like I'm, I've got a group going on right now, and um, we're halfway through the program. And it's incredible to just see the difference that's happening with these ladies as a result of their different mindsets, right? Like one of them would never, ever set foot inside a fitness class and not that you ever need to, but it was something she wanted to do. She wanted to go and do like a dance class because she liked that kind of thing, but she never felt good enough or like she measured up to the other ladies that were in the room and um, in working through that belief of not good enough. Now she's out there and she's doing it and she's inspiring other people. And it just feels so good for her. Right. And it feels good for me to be able to see that transformation. I think you have a a very special gift, but also a very special way of approaching movement. And I don't know of a lot of people that are doing that right now. And it's extremely important. Yeah, it's very important. I think there's a few of us who are starting to do this kind of work, but not enough, not enough The message that really needs to get out there. In the same way, we need to rebuild the nutrition industry and the health coaching industry. We also need to rebuild the fitness industry with that message. Absolutely. You have a podcast also for all the podcast listener. Can you tell us the name of that podcast and what it's about? Yeah. Well, it's called the Joyful Movement Show. Oh, look at that. (laughs) Shocker. Yeah. So it is all about discovering the joy for movement, learning what moves you and helping you to change your mindset about um, exercise, movement, fitness, whatever you want to call it, and uh, just finding that joy for your own self. Awesome. So it's on iTunes and we'll look also in the show notes, but you guys should go and give it a a listen and see if you want to follow Kim and our podcast. This was a blast. It was, wasn't it? Thank you so much. Yeah, You're very welcome. And then we'll put everything that we talked about in the show notes. Thank you for having been with us, Kim. Thanks so much for having me. How was she like? We all need a Kim in our life, right? So go listen up to her podcast, The Joyful Movement Show. It's short bites every week. And she's going to help you change those thoughts around exercise. Kim's actually going to teach a class. We just discussed that a few days ago in our Conquer and Thrive community in the beginning of January called Exercise Mindset Resets. We have a whole December and January for us in the community is a special time because that's, we want to set our new goals for the year. We want to set goals that are non-diet focused. And one of them is our relationship to exercise. So she's going to come and help us think through that differently. I love you, sister. And I look forward to hang out with you on the next episode, which by the way, it's going to be controversial. This one's going to be called, you don't need to love yourself. You don't want to miss that. See you then. Hey, you, if you enjoy listening to this show, you have to come and check Conquer and Thrive. It's my monthly coaching program that comes with expert courses that will show you exactly how to take this life changing work and apply it into your own life. We teach you how to change your mindset, eat intuitively and master body confidence that you've decided to stop dieting today or years ago, Conquer and Thrive will help you take this knowledge deeper into real life practices. It comes with access to me as your coach and my team of experts. Join us by simply going to www.stephaniedodzie.com forward slash join. I can't wait to meet you inside our Conquer and Thrive community. I'll see you on the other side.